0: Hey everybody, Keith Billis, the Business Athlete Podcast. Joining me, always here, my spotter, my personal trainer, AJ Zeglin. And introducing up, Keith? our guest from Toronto, Canada, serial entrepreneur, national swim champion, and CEO of media company The Underknown, Steve Helford. Today on the show, storytelling through the lens of science and the humanities. Join me. AJ and Steve in the gym to tell some stories up next on the Business Athlete Podcast. <laughs> you know, AJ. Today's a different kind of business athlete podcast. One that takes a turn towards Tell me about f- it. One that takes a turn towards the frontiers of science the humanities. I like it. A podcast that takes us to the unknown. A place not known or seen, but a place that has been created from the mind of an athlete, and an entrepreneur. A place that tells the greatest stories from history and makes the most complex ideas and theories entertaining and accessible. Today's show goes beyond the dressing room, AJ. It goes beyond the boardroom. It takes us beyond the familiar to explore, to question, and marvel at the magnificent vagaries of life on earth. This is a different podcast today, AJ. This is a show that takes a turn towards a different kind of business athlete storytelling. It tells a remarkable personal story about the company's founder and creator. A story that starts in a box. This is episode 5 of the Business Athlete Podcast. Mr. Zaglin, number five. Already here. How's it going? We've made it this far. We have. Still going. (laughs) I feel like we're finding the flow of the show here. Great guest so far, you know? Yeah, it's been awesome. How was that intro on the rating of intro scale? I loved it. A little different flow to today's show, my friend. A little different flow. I'm going to tell the audience right now. If you've listened (laughs) to the previous four, let's recap episode number one the pilot right the pilot the first one the tester (laughs) the one where you put it out for all your family to see and listen to and they all click like 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 and you feel good about yourself for a long time (laughs) that is accurate that is very (laughs) accurate and then the rest of the world starts listening to you and giving you feedback and of course we uh number one episode number well i guess the official number one episode number two in our books was dr craig Dr. Craig Slawn White passed up a, a few thousand dollars for a cupcake. It's a tough decision, man. And then Nicole Van Zanten, emotional story, that one. I remember you had a moment of pause there. Episode three, episode three, the moment early in her life that has been a continued catalyst for her life.
1: Yeah, awesome story. Yeah. I really,
0: I really, really uh, enjoyed talking to her.
1: That that was an excellent, uh, excellent story. And, and just, I thought her outlook on how business and and sport overlap with one another, like between the, uh, endurance sports and the
0: endurance of business, I thought was, was great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was a big fan
0: of that one. Great feedback from, uh, from that guest, uh, I think related to many people. Yeah. You know, just the journey she's been through. And then of course, last show. Our first professional hockey player. I think our official, I think our official, maybe our official like first friend of the show, Dale Weiss. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. <laughs> right. We didn't even know. We didn't even know. And uh, yeah. you know, um, you know, I try try a new style of the opening of the last show with the cold open where uh that was that was that was real time there, right? Wasn't it? We all we just kinda hit the hit the record button and next thing you know we were talking and you're like, hey, do you know Dale? i like, I don't know, Dale. Yeah <laughs>
1: That was good. I liked
0: that though. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I've been on the old Instagrammer since then, just reaching out to some friends and folks that uh, aren't actually my friends and folks, but I'm sure would want to be a friend of that business athlete podcast. Who doesn't want to be our friend, hey, right? All you have to do is listen to the first few, the first few <laughs> words and the first step first, few, you know, and then you're, right. Then you're hooked. Right. So hey, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How much, fun, yeah. how much fun are you having right now?
1: You know what? I am having even more fun than I thought I was going to have. And you know how excited I was when we talked about it ahead of time, how excited I was during the first um, uh, episode that we did. It's funny. We got feedback from uh, people um, that we both know. um, And uh, we actually got a message from someone saying they could actually hear me smiling like yeah. they could just hear it in the inflection of my voice like so on that first episode because i was just i was so yeah. pumped about it and it just was really cool that um you know that something you had talked about you executed it and invited me along the journey and i was so happy to be there and so knowing that what my expectations were this has already exceeded all my expectations like i'm having way more fun than i thought i was gonna have it's every week i look forward
0: to it it's like uh the highlight of my week so let me hook you further here because you don't know the next yeah. guest coming up i happen to know steve our guest coming right. up yeah. and uh you know for our listeners right now you got to stick around for this show this fellow steve is amazing fellow he's you know i um business athlete podcast in conversation with my my co-host and trainer aj seglin right now kicking off episode five while we wait for our Good friend, Steve Halford, to join the gym. Um, of course, you can find us on Instagram with the real business athlete. Uh, and of course, you can reach AJ at, AJ at com. Personal training, advice, motivation, inspiration, music tips. Friendship. Oh, friendship, yeah, music tips. <laughs> you know, any kind of you tips. need a good friend, man. Hey, man, you know, AJ's good like that. So AJ at <laughs> businessathletes.com Love to hear from you. Um, and if you need to get a hold of myself, uh you can reach me at Keith at businessathletes.com. Uh, I know I've received tons and tons of notes from many of you and uh, it's been uh, I'm doing my best to get back. the comments are great, A lot of good questions too. Um, if you're looking for you know, motivation, mentorship or, or just kind of ways in that in whatever direction you're looking for, get yourself moving. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out to myself and/ or AJ. Uh, Keith and/ or AJ at Business Dot com. I can assure you this AJ I think you'd agree with me here we'll always make the time for yeah. a business athlete absolutely and as I said as I have said time and time again we're all the same and AJ you just said it right we all put our pants on the same way and it's like a recurring theme and um you know I just happen to uh I'm, I'm you know ha- happy to be the captain of the of the business athlete squad and I think uh we got uh, mr Helfer joining the room here uh so Steve I welcome you to the gym
2: Hey, well, great to be here, guys.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So you know, I, I I'm a big, big believer in full transparency, and uh, you know, we 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 had we had Steve scheduled for a few minutes earlier, but then uh, we had some technical difficulties, which pushed Keith and AJ to start back. So uh, we have Steve joining us uh, now. And I'm uh, really excited to have you in the room, my friend. I'm uh, really, I'm looking at the right, which, here, there, there's the camera you are. Yeah, there you are. There you are. So uh, AJ, Steve has not only started five companies yeah. and building the under and all these channels and influencing 7 billion people around the world with all the content that his team creates and himself and influencing, but he also has apparently time to create a smart buoy <laughs> system. For him to be swimming more effectively. So, yeah. if if you want to talk about the idea of an entrepreneur, uh, and and for our <laughs> listeners right now, uh, Steve Hulford, the ever, uh, ever, ever entrepreneur, is holding up a sign in front of the camera. Actually, not a sign, but a piece of paper that he's drawn out his smart buoy system.
2: What the hell the water temperature is going to be, and you don't know what to bring? Do you bring your hockey bag full of right. wetsuits? Yeah. Right. Or your or your speedo? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I've been. I've been uh, developing this smart buoy system where I'll take a, a buoy and I'm going to put a little device in there. And I've been learning all about the Internet of Things. And of course, I, I'm, yeah. I've got this real time system that's going to go in the in the buoys in the lake and can read the water temperature and put it onto a, into a mobile app that already exists. It's called Swim Guide. So
1: as a, is this going to be? Like, is this directly geared towards swimmers?
2: It's really for swimmers, um, yeah. surfers, you know, people using the water. I mean, boaters right.
1: might want to know. I feel like it's also a great example of how creative people don't
0: turn it off, right? <laughs> so we're talking Very about... Well, <laughs> yeah. you, you you can't. Can. Great discussion with Steve Halford, CEO of The Unknown. Um, life lesson boys came up with the dinner table today. I know you're both fathers like I am. And I, uh, and I feel like, AJ, this lesson is is uh, it resonates through the last four shows of The Business Athlete. And it's this nice. concept of the little things that take no talent, but yet it sets us apart from the rest. And what I'm talking about today, I don't care if you're 4, you're 10, you're 12, you're 13, it's manners. Yeah. Being polite. Etiquette.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right.
0: Interesting yeah. where it starts right there, right? Because if you think about if you can be the best at being polite, it doesn't take no talent. Nope. And if you have that awareness of being the most polite, how is that being bad? And, and, and if that's going to set you apart from the competition because you've said thank you more than the other guy or girl or human, or, and, you said, and you've just been more polite and more nice and more gracious, how is that a bad thing, right? Like the please and the thank yous. It's an interesting, we all forget about it.
2: One of my first memories and first impressions of you, Keith, was oh.
0: how excellent your manners were. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks, Mom and Dad. We
2: we, we did a presentation at, at, at CHUM in yeah. like, I want to say 20, 2007 or something a long like time that, ago, yeah. and yeah. I wa- I watched you present, and I think you may have watched me present. I remember there was a lot of us presenting, yeah. and I remember I was taken aback by uh, your approach and I, I seem to remember you telling me that you honed that in retail store, in, in
0: retail. I did, yeah. A uh, good shout-out to uh, a former boss of mine, Jim Gaynor, Gaynor Foods in Selkirk, Manitoba. Yeah, just – anyways, I, I, I find it interesting that just that simple concept of being really good at that – just sets the field, AJ, for the conversations we've been having recently around. You know, Dale talks about he just wanted to be the hardest working guy. Walked into a dressing yeah. room, got onto a team. Uh, last episode, Steve Holfer, Dale Weiss, NHL hockey player, uh, professional hockey player, played on some of the greatest hockey franchises in the NHL. Um, you know, what a great journey that guy's been on in his, uh, in, in his career. But he talked about in the dressing room, you know, identifying his role and just being the best at it. And often that man just being the hardest working guy. And I think that just comes back to just say, please just say, thank you and try to do it better than the other guy. I think it's going to take you a long ways. Right. So um, I don't know. That's uh, something that I thought uh, resonated at the dinner table today. And I made a note, AJ I said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to talk to AJ and Steve about that today.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. I big, big uh, thing for me is, is, proper manners and etiquette when you're meeting people, when you're addressing people, uh, the way you talk to people. Um, yeah, I can't stress it enough with my own kids that, you know, it matters how you talk to people and
0: how you present yourself. It's important. What did Nicole say? Words matter. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it, it, it costs you nothing.
0: It costs you nothing. It costs you nothing at all. All right. Those sounds you hear are Steve, that sets up the next segment of the show called the businessman and the athlete, and Steve. That's where uh, AJ and I take a role. I take on the role of the athlete, and AJ takes on the role of the businessman. <laughs> and we each, uh, dis- right. yeah, we each display our our pros and in, 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 in that. Nah, all kidding aside. So this is where we get a chance to uh, AJ and I get a little get a little chance to talk to our listeners about you know the business side and the athletic side, right? And really kind of leave them with a moment to ponder. Week to week, each episode, give them something to consider. So, you know, well, I flipped the mic to AJ to talk about an athletic moment. He's going to come back to me. i leave you at the business moment. Uh, I'll ask you to just, uh, you know, listen in and ponder what uh, some of the things we're going to say is, is, uh, so ho- hopefully we're going to leave an impression with this. AJ, what say you to our audience today for the uh, athletic yeah. moment? So for our uh, athletic moment this week, I want to
1: keep building on what we did the two previous weeks. So quick, 10-second refresher here, but people want the whole thing. They can go back and and listen to it in its entirety. One was we want to be great at the things that require no talent, as we were just talking about. Two, we want to make sure we're in the gym, that we're meeting our five basic movement requirements, our push, pull, squat, hinge, and carry. So you know, as we mentioned, that's what sets our foundation. So the next thing we always want to be doing if for training in the mindset of an athlete is there's three athletic principles we always want to incorporate into our programming. And that's lifting, sprinting, and jumping. Now, you know, some people might uh, already do some of that stuff. Some people might be doing that stuff and not even realize that they are. Those three athletic principles will look extremely different based on what you're training for, your training experience, um, you know, other uh <clears throat> Uh, injuries you may have, or limitations, or anything like that, but they still should exist in each program. So when you hear the word sprint, you often think of, you know, someone sprinting down a track, like at the Olympics or something. It's a very broad term that we use to create an umbrella for a bunch of other things that would fall under there. So a sprint could be an agility drill. It could be a sprint on a bike. It can be a sprint on a treadmill, or a sprint, you know, running down the road, or it can be. Going for a run or, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that sprint could be done on a rower or a bike, as I mentioned, or uh, any sort of movement thing. People use agility ladders. They do something, you know, all that type of movement would count as a uh, a sprint. Okay. And then when we look at jumping, there's the obvious forms of jumping. When people think of when they're going to the gym, they see box jumps or different plyometric exercises, Olympic lifting, uh, any explosive hip extension classifies as a jump. And then we got our lifts, which, you know, we went over in our five basic movements, right? Where we're lifting both our body weight and external loads and getting a mix of uh, either or. So that's the third part that really sets our foundation. So we want to train like an athlete, have those athletic principles in there. We always want to make sure we got a lift and a jump and a sprint in our programming. said they will look very different depending on where you're at and what you're training for, but they still should be in there. If you want more clarification, on what that may look like or different examples, feel free to contact me. I'd be happy to help you out.
0: Thank you, Mr. Zaglin. Alright. Last show. I talked about using empathy to your advantage when leading. Today I want to talk about something a little different. I want to talk about moving from good to great and how you get there. It's called change. It's simple. You need to change to make change. However simple, it's difficult to execute. If you're needing that catalyst to move from good to great, here's your permission to get started, to begin again. And I share this with you because I'm on that journey myself right now. Full vulnerability, open, wide open for all of you listening. So this podcast has been a big part of my change with all of you right in front of you, wide open. This platform, this community, it's impacted me. All of you have impacted me. I feel like it's given me a platform. It's been, it's been really exciting to share my beliefs around running an effective winning business like ICUC and running it like I think it would know, be to run like an elite athlete. And I feel like I have this voice that matters and this platform has enabled just that. It's become a platform that has given me the confidence to continue to affect change that I believe in. I'm on a personal journey right now from good to great, with a bigger ambition to take ICUC to the next level. You can find us, icuc.social, of course, social media, customer care, services. We're on a journey from good to great to greatest. And with a renewed mission to continue building the greatest company to work at with the greatest people, I recognize, and I was reminded last week with Dale Weiss, that great leadership starts in my own mirror me at the top. 2020 has been a catalyst year for me personally and professionally. The change I'm affecting for 2021 has begun now. And this show and our guests on this show have been a good reminder that this change starts at the top. So today I invite you all listening to consider this. If you want to make change, Make change. <clears throat> what if I told you that our upcoming guest was so disruptive that he spent a year of his school life in a box? Not a figurative box, but a literal box with a box of crayons. And what if I told you that this guest has started not one, not two, not even three companies. But he has started five and has successfully sold two. And what if I told you that this guest was a national champion in competitive swimming and was named U of T's Athlete of the Year? And what if I told you this next guest is really an interesting shit? And named his last (laughs) company after just that. Yes, you heard me. And what if I told you that the content this guest has produced and is the brains behind has reached and touched over 7 billion people in the past two years and has watched on average over 240 minutes per month across some of the most major platforms on the planet as like Amazon Prime, YouTube, and Facebook Watch. And what if I told you all of the above was true? 100% fact. And as you find yourself pondering all of just that, Have you ever wondered how you would survive a bear attack? Perhaps a tsunami? Perhaps you've even wondered what animals can actually freeze and come back to life? Have you ever looked in the mirror wondering why your nose and your ears won't stop growing? Well our next guest has wondered about all of those exact questions about science the humanities, and considered every imaginable what-if scenario you could possibly imagine. On today's episode, I'm pleased to reintroduce the CEO of The Underknown and a fellow business athlete, Mr. Steve Holford. Steve.
2: Quite, quite an intro, Keith. Thank you very much. It's great to be here with you and AJ.
0: You join us from Toronto, Canada. How are you today?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing great.
0: You're a seri- good to see you guys. Yeah, good to see you too. A serial entrepreneur. The underknown is your fifth company, AJ. Not one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's a curse. <laughs> a, a, a blessing and a curse.
0: What do you love about starting companies, Steve?
2: What do I love about starting them? Um, well... You know, I think it's kind of these ideas are always coming into my mind. I take inspiration from all the things around me and things I have great passions in. And sometimes these ideas move me into action, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes I don't even vocalize the ideas. Sometimes I write them down. Sometimes I act on them. Sometimes they become companies. Sometimes they're just projects. Um, and you never know what they're going to do. But when they grip you, um, yeah. You, you, and you move, you you feel like there's nothing else in the entire world you could possibly do. It's almost it becomes an obsession.
0: Yeah, I I, I can relate. I absolutely can relate. So I started this monologue at the beginning of the show that uh, this show AJ was going to lean towards a different kind of storytelling. And yeah, you know, I'm and, excited for it. Yeah, yeah. And in full transparency to the audience, uh, I've known Steve for over 20 years. Uh, I would I I went through my entrepreneurial journey of starting and selling my company as, as did Steve. And, uh, and I share that not so that we can disassociate from all of you, but just to highlight the fact that over that period of time, I've really been privileged. I I have seen you Steve on a personal and business journey, you know, through the highs and lows and and you always, you've always come back to telling a great story and whether it's been, (laughs) no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you whether and I think it's what life is right and whether and that's what I'm really loving about this show is that whether it has been through a business pitch or a one-to-one chit chat you've always been the best storyteller
2: oh thank you Keith
0: so what is it about
2: well you know I come from a long line of storytellers um I remember my grandfather Patrick Stafford Gordon Davis um he was a real storyteller and that made an impression on me my mother is as well and and, and my family's, uh, and I don't know, a, a story uh, is something that inspires you when you're inspired. I, I, I again, I, I, have been fortunate to travel and I, I, there's this, there's an old line in a Bob Marley song, which is the one good thing about music. When it hits, you feel no pain. I think of that way about stories, yeah. you know, the ones that hit you, you, yeah. you, 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 you mem- remember them. And if you live it, if you live that story, um, it's just so f- fun to express it.
0: Your your current company, the underknown, it didn't start as the under-known. It No, that's uh, right. It started as interesting shit.
2: That's right.
0: Mm-hmm. Good yeah. that's right. <laughs> you know, so you know, for our listeners out there, I, I recall when Steve came to me and said, "Hey, I'm starting this company." Because as Steve just confessed three minutes ago, he has an addiction for doing just such. I have an idea and I'm starting a company. So he's like, I got this company. I'm calling it interesting shit. I remember talking to AJ about it as well. Can you elaborate yeah, to the that. Yeah? Can you elaborate to the audience why why and how interesting shit, Steve, and why did the name change? And was there a business learning there?
2: Sure, absolutely. Well, when when we formed the company, it was called Backyard Media. And that company is now called Undernone. And Backyard Media was really a placeholder for a numbered company. Uh, And I had this idea that I was going to build an office at the bottom of my garden in in downtown Toronto, where I live. Uh, And then when I I got started on the startup, I thought, well, that's literally like launching two startups, uh, a real estate project and, and my company, which I never got around to doing the backyard office. Yeah. Um, but interesting shit was the first video channel we created. Mm -hmm. And now we've, we've done over seven of them and it was the name of when I was started the business, Mm -hmm. I, I always do lots and lots of research Mm -hmm. and I went, I really went down the rabbit hole on what it would take to create a modern media company. And I, I learned everything I possibly could about it. And I put it into a document. I wrote a white paper and I think I shared that with you. Uh And all the time I was doing that, I had a a Google sheet, which was just called interesting shit. And it was just places that I dumped things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was, oh, that's a story. I I started really paying attention to the stories that interest me, Mm -hmm. whether I was reading a book or I saw something on social or I was Googling. I I, I kept track of every rabbit hole I went down. Um, And I put it in a sheet that called it interesting shit. And I noticed too, that for a couple of years, people would stop me and say that they loved the shit that I shared on Facebook. Um, if I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times. So I started. I went back through all the shit I'd shared, and I started to put it in that sheet too. And I thought, well, what is it about this content? And it all had this. Um, this. Uh, I, and I was working. I was working with an English writer who lives here in Toronto. Uh, Ian Thornton is his name. Mm. Ian, if you're listening, hey. Uh, and Ian's a real wordsmith. Mm-hmm. And when he looked at all the stories, he said, they're all underknown. known. Uh, and that name stuck with us. But by then, we'd already launched the video channel, and mm-hmm. we called it interesting shit. It was mm-hmm. named after the spreadsheet. Right. And um, we bought Underknown because we knew that having a profanity in the domain name or in the brand name would be contentious. And. There was precedent for it. You know, I fucking love science. Of course. Um, <laughs> and there were n- numerous others. Um, but what we discovered was, is that really robots control the internet. Um, and, and it's not humans and human intuition so much anymore. So while the people we that we were working with, and the, they loved it, and yes. they loved the content, yes. um, it really was uh, intolerable um, to the robots of the internet. So we we, we changed the name.
0: Interesting, yeah. So uh, I, I there, there's a lot to unpack right here. And I, and I, and I asked you the question about the unknown because you start the company as a creator, but now you're at a point where you're not doing much creating, you're running the company. How does that, uh, as an entrepreneur, how do you deal with that transition and how do you deal with that conflict? Because you don't do much creating anymore.
2: Well... You know, I, I I think for me the way to manage it is to focus on that innovation. Where yeah. there's innovation happening, that's where I want to be. Is crazy because that's my superpower.
0: Yeah. Right. You know, I, I started off by saying to you that you know, I, I what what is it about storytelling that interests you? And I always it always fascinated me that when you approached me with the idea of interesting shit, it was just how you explained it. It was just this this area, all this content that was just interesting to you, and that you were able to. Create stories and content around that. I found that I found that very fascinating.
2: Content has legs, and it will take you somewhere. Yes, um, and you don't know where that's going to be, and you know, you it, it's going to be like the and it, but
0: yeah. So you know, we obviously have lots we can learn about the business and about the channels we want to get into. But for our audience's sake, and AJ, let's let's st- let's let's keep Steve over here for a few moments. Um, All right the athletic side steve you're you're a, you're a national champion
2: yeah well I, I was uh you know that that same kid who you referenced that, that a teacher put me in a box um i had a lot of energy when i was a young boy and i my my parents put me in lots of different sports i played hockey i played baseball um i played soccer and um i was you know very disruptive in school and in class And uh, I I remember I I visited various, like a a child psychologist Mm -hmm. trying to like, what's, you know, wrong with this kid? Why can't he, you know, sit still and, um, and focus and concentrate? And, um, and the, the, the the guy, uh, Dr. David Greenstein, I believe was his name, Mm -hmm. um, suggested I should not go and put me in an individual sport. I was in team sports, put him in an individual sport. That was a decision he, he, he thought would, I don't know if it would boost my confidence or what it would do or what it, um, and, uh, they said, well, he loves swimming. So they put me on a competitive swimming team and I just took to it like a, a duck to water, as they say. And I loved it. And I just, I, I it was, I got, I love being in the water. I love how it purges, um, when you go for a swim in a pool or a lake or whatever, it just purges all your, all that mental, uh, mm-hmm. you know, dust that builds up over the course of the day, stress, whatever it is. And it just, when you come out of a swim, you're just, you're, you're focused. Uh, it clears your mind. And, um, you know, I, I really worked hard. I really worked hard. I think people that would remember me from that. Sport would say I was a really hard worker. And, uh, you know, when you work hard at something, you generally get results. I got a lot of really good results. I, I got to swim for Canada. I went to the World University Games, a number of World Cups, um, the Pan-American Games in Havana, Cuba. Uh, swam at University of Toronto and was, was Athlete of the Year uh, in 1994.
0: Do you still um, swim today, Steve? Do you still get in the pool today?
2: Well... Right, this, right now, no, because of the pandemic, and they've locked down the city of Toronto. But I've logged 200 kilometers in Lake Ontario. Good for you. Um, so it started April 1st, and uh, I was swimming as recently as a couple days ago in Lake, Lake Ontario. And I'm going to be swimming year-round. Um, uh, and then I've, I'm also um, I'm part of a master swim team. And I've been swimming for about 10 years now um, with a group here in Toronto, um, but I'm as much an open water swimmer, um, as I am a pool swimmer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, AJ, I see that's, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a theme that, you know, Steve, again, of course mentions again, right. I, you know, the, the yeah. whole aspect of I trained really hard. I was a really hard worker. Yeah. A common so, theme. Eh? Yeah. And so I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, um, and
1: Steve, you can maybe elaborate on this. Um, I grew up uh, with a couple of close friends that were competitive swimmers too. And so with my athletic background, I went in on, uh, and g- accompanied them on some of their workouts, uh, in the pool and dry land workouts. I got to tell you, I don't know if people, uh, the average person can appreciate just how hard, uh, that swimmers train. Cause I think sometimes you, you know, you associate, you know, uh, different training things with, with, uh, different, uh, sports or whatever. And I'm not sure they, they quite, I know I was even surprised, um, when I went like the dry land training that we did in the gym, uh, the workouts were intense and, uh, and the work in the pool, I obviously not a strong swimmer. I couldn't even, I couldn't even keep up with anything like the, the amount of work that goes into being a competitive swimmer, uh, the amount of hours, it's, Steve, it's were nuts. you, uh, were you early mornings?
2: Yeah, we we and, would swim nine, ten times a week up. Yeah. You know, from the age of the age of thirteen, I was swimming up at five o'clock every morning, like three or, three or four mornings a week, until right. I was 20, 22 when I retired.
1: Yeah, like it's extremely it's hard, hard intensive. Core. Yeah, extremely intensive sport. You know, we mentioned that you're four time national champion in swimming, but what we didn't mention was that it was for the backstroke. And I've always had this assumption. So I I love to watch swimming when I'm watching Olympics. Swimming is one of my favorite things. I've always had this assumption that um, each individual um, swim discipline would come with its own challenges. But for me, from an athletic perspective, the fact with the backstroke and working in a high level of proprioception, which uh, for our listeners is your awareness of body in space. So where you are you knowing where you are without actually being able to see it. And it's and it's a skill that a lot of really great athletes have. And it was always my assumption that the backstroke out of all the disciplines required a very high amount of that because it's the only one where you're not facing forward. Like you're laying up, looking at the scene, like, how do you know where you are in your lane? How do you know how far you are from the wall? How do you know? So I always felt there there was this extra degree of difficulty in it. So right away when I saw that you were four-time national champion in the backstroke, I'm like, I got to ask and see if my assumption of had has always been correct.
2: Well, you're right about that. Um, it's something I, I it, it takes uh, someone who isn't in the sport necessarily to ask a good question like that. Um, the thing with the backstroke is it really is dependent on your environment, as you said. So right. um, I, I used to, used to want to strangle the architects who designed the swimming pools if they were not made with a with straight lines on the ceiling right, um, over top of the lanes, because if you have a straight line or you can sight on something right. um, that's straight, then you're laughing. And then you've got flags that y- you'd be waiting for the flag to appear. And then you knew that you had two or three strokes and then you'd have to turn. Okay. Um, but what was problematic, there were there was a pool in Vancouver under the Burrard Street Bridge and the Olympic Pool in Montreal. Terrible ceilings for backstroke. <laughs> and then you have to sight on the lane rope that's beside right. you. And that's also what you have to do if you're swimming outside
1: Gotcha. and you've so got the blinding
2: your- sun. You have to sight on the lane rope beside you. Um, and I was never particularly good at sighting on the lane rope.
1: Right. And that yeah. you're just, I'm assuming trying to use your peripheral vision, like, cause you probably don't want to turn your head. It probably throws off your technique, right?
2: That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and some guys were really good at that. Um, I was not. And, um, I, I think I, I, I was a butterflyer and then I switched to backstroke later when I was like okay. 19. Okay. I did a, I did a pivot, I guess you'd call it now.
1: Nah. Yeah.
2: Uh, I didn't realize it back then. Um, but those that probably learned backstroke much younger may have had more adaptive peripheral perception. I just never had it. So I had some bad races in outdoor pools and at meets at pools where there were not straight lines on the ceiling.
1: But enough good ones still to be a four time national champion. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> en-
2: enough of those. Yeah.
0: You know, it yeah, is- that's right. <laughs> it is not lost upon me, AJ, that. Steve, that 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 you built a business around telling the stories behind the story, and we're gonna get there. But yet, AJ, what really strikes Steve's swimming career, and what had the most effect on his swimming career, was the straightness of the lines of the buildings. (laughs) Like if that is not the story under the story under the story, I don't know what is right. So the guy gets to the pool, he gets in the pool. And everything that we all see, the normal person sees with their eyes, is such. But what really matters to Steve is how crooked the damn building is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Look. That's right. It's interesting, though. I never even would have thought
0: of that. No. And I never even thought about just your question, AJ, around the spatial awareness or being in the oh. pool and being on your back, and and then being good at that, being in that position for a length of
1: time. You were saying that you were going to uh, continue to swim throughout the year. Were you referencing open water swim still, like right through the winter?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there is. A, I, I've, I've been holding uh, with some friends of mine an open water swim race in Toronto uh, for the last seven years, called the Toronto Island Lake Swim. We have about three hundred people that come out in the summer and we do races like you would a 10K run or a 5K run. We do it in the we swim in the lake. And I've become part of this incredible open water swimming community that stretches all along the Golden Horseshoe of Toronto from St. Catharines to Hamilton to Toronto. Met some of the most wonderful people. And these people are far braver than me. There's women I know that have swum an ice mile, 1500 meters in a speedo in under four degrees Celsius. Oh, I know man. a, a, a guy who's a guy who's swum the Strait of Magellan, 1,500 yeah. meters uh, in, under six degrees of water. I I prefer, I have to wear a wetsuit, hat, mitts, boots, and a mask in right. this sort of water temperature. But I, the, the pools were closed uh, in April and May. My daughter is also a competitive swimmer. And I thought, you know, you got to find another way. And that way was in the lake. So we got in April 1st this year and we swam uh, in water temperatures of four or five celsius and we managed to put in a couple hundred kilometers it, it was the the silver lining of the summer and covid for me it started out with just me and my daughter swimming and by july i had 20 or 30 competitive swimmers all young teenage kids that had no pools to swim in had joined me uh and my yeah. daughter in the lake I, I felt like the the pied piper
0: that's not being a leader i don't know what is and i i you know as, as i'm sure you may or may not know Steve from previous episodes. Uh, AJ is just itching to get into open water swimming. <laughs> oh,
1: right. yeah, that, that is yeah. He's really not desirable. a strength.
0: It's terrifying to me, open water swimming. Uh, actually, but. Steve, uh, being in the open water is terrifying to AJ. AJ is just worried that when he puts his feet in the water that there's all these other animals below the surface that might uh, have an impact on his life. And I'm just using the right <laughs> words to communicate that, Mr. Zegler. Yeah. <laughs> especially the ocean it's a scary place
2: in in manitoba all you need to worry about are the trout probably
1: yeah and the catfish uh you know what i'm okay mostly in in like rivers and lakes like they don't freak me out as much but my confidence in a big lake like an open water swim like to swim a mile in a lake is is just not there but i also to put something else in perspective keith um When Steve's mentioning those water temperatures, yeah. Oh my god! From an athletic perspective, uh, when we set our cold tubs for professional athletes, which I know people associate with being extremely cold, we set those at we set those at eight degrees Celsius. That's a temperature. (laughs) So he's mentioning people swimming in six and four degrees. Yeah, like you get down uh, to that cold, and every degree you drop feels like twenty. And, uh, so the fact that <laughs> these people true. are swimming open water in four degrees, like four degrees, south, uh, like colder than what we have our cold tubs at, like that's some, like that's cold water that I feel like makes you feel
0: like your heart's going to stop when you jump in, you know, Steve, what, yeah. what, uh, let's talk about your athletic career and how, you know, the resilience you learn about getting in the water, that cold, um, the, the discipline you've, you've taught yourself swimming what, what what have you taken from there to your your business career I, I have to think there is much similarities between the two
2: there there is there there definitely is and I would say especially early on in my career like when I started my my when I started my entrepreneurial journey I would have been 30 Two years old. I'm trying to do the math. Jeez, last year uh, 30, yeah. 32 years old. I'm 49 now, something like that. Um, I really had the sort of attitude that I had, almost like a student uh, at that era of just, you know, work hard, just sheer brute force. Um, you know, I treated I treated those early startup years like yeah. all-nighters. Yes, um, and then. You start to realize it's a marathon and not a sprint. Yes, of course. And you realize that your body is a temple, and you're an athlete. And yeah. you know, you know, and you guys taught you guys are have enshrined that in your show. Um, that was um, slow to come to me. I want to say honestly, interesting. Um, I, I really kind of regret actually how I treated my body uh, in the first sort of seven or eight years of
0: being an entrepreneur. What was the so it was kind of, I'm sorry. What was the catalyst Steve that made you change that?
2: Well, it, it was coming up on 40. Um, mm-hmm. The thought of turning 40. No. And, and, and actually um, I, I also w- was, was suffering from anxiety. Um, I started to have these, I had an anxiety or a panic attack when I was about 32 mm-hmm. uh, at a wedding in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um. And it was terrifying. I thought I was having a heart attack. I didn't think I'd sleep through the night. My goodness. Um, uh, and w- when I came back to Toronto, I went to the doctor and got it all checked out, went through all that stuff. And um, they diagnosed me as having anxiety. It was anxiety or a panic attack. Um, and that started, um, you know, that started maybe a seven year period where. I wasn't really looking after myself. I was working hard. I wasn't sleeping. I was putting myself last. Um, And what came to a head really was this dealing with anxiety. It it crept, you know, if if I'd been out all night, hadn't slept much, Mm -hmm. had too much to drink, Mm -hmm. and then anxiety would come on, Mm -hmm. it was an easy to sort of say, oh, I just won't do that. But then it started just popping up in a conversation like this mm-hmm. Something, or a period of time when you're, you, you have no reason being stressed, mm-hmm. the anxiety would just bubble up. Mm-hmm. And then I started to think, and I, I was again, diagnosed this. Um, and then they wanted to treat it with uh, antidepressants. And I thought that, that was a bit of a wake up call was that it was, um, you know, and I, I didn't want to take the drugs. I don't know why. Um, I don't think there really should be or is a stigma with taking those drugs, especially if they help you. But the one doctor said to me that, well, what are you scared of? Mm -hmm. And what I was scared of was that I wasn't treating myself with respect and I wasn't working out. And Mm -hmm. uh, I knew what it was like to be a healthy athlete and I wasn't treating myself that way. He said, well, you should start working out. That's what I did. That was about 10 years ago.
0: One of the themes that have often come up in in the past four shows and you, you bring it up catalyst for you is the idea of beginning again and how difficult it is to do that.
2: It is difficult. uh, You know, I guess until you have the right mindset and the, and the will or you're absolutely right. It is difficult, but then when it, clicks and it's different for everybody how that click happens it seems like the easiest thing in the world
0: steve let's talk about the box we referred to at the beginning of the show and you've talked about you've had some anxiety um challenges let's talk about the box grade two
2: yeah well I, i guess in grade two um you know I I was this this I was actually probably new to the school um, and I was just I had a ton of energy, a lot of energy. And I was um, very, I guess, disruptive to this particular teacher. The teacher probably tried all every trick in the book to keep me in my desk, you know, and I would just continually disrupt. And and then what she resorted to was she took a cardboard box, you know, cut, um, you know, two sides off of it. so. And then put it on top of my desk. So I could only see into the back of the box. And on either side of me was box. Um, And yeah, I I don't remember being like, I don't remember being ashamed or upset or sad about it. I remember um, thinking I was different. Um, And I remember she also took me to like, like a Grandin toy or something like that, yeah. and bought me crayons. And I remember um, thinking that, may, like, I that this that I was special or something like that. And yeah. um, I don't think she intended for me to do this, but I ended up filling graffiti like the inside of that box with graffiti. Um, I just kept drawing and drawing and drawing, um, and it was just one of those m- memories that stands out in my mind as being odd. Yeah. about my childhood, you know.
0: Yeah. What prompted you to share that with your with your company? It's a very vulnerable thing to reveal to to strangers, to people you've worked with for a little bit, for a long time, but to to say that, you know, I I I am maybe I I am who I am perhaps for some of these reasons and here's one of them. I I spent a year of my school year in a box. What prompted yeah, you to share well, that?
2: Well, we were um like the end of last year, uh, we had a really tight group, um, about 15 of us in Toronto in the, in one office. And, you know, we really built uh, like a joyful uh, culture in the company and everybody felt like they were family. And, um, you know, I've been learning a bit, of, like we've been sort of working on content for a retreat. And this idea was put to me by a friend of mine who's mm-hmm. also an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And, he had talked, he was talking a lot about how, uh, how vulnerable, you know, sharing of vulnerability amongst mm-hmm. your teammates, mm-hmm. um, you know, brings you closer together. And we had all just done, um, this Colby, uh, index. So have you guys heard of the Colby index? It's, it's something like a Myers-Briggs, but it's not about your personality. It's about how you move into action. Okay. Okay. Um, and we had all done it. And you know, it, what it sort of, uh, tells you, um, it ever is what your call it your superpower is, and in my case, I've got a very high risk tolerance, and I move into action very, very quickly. Um, and it made it just made me think back to, uh, you know, well, different points in my life. Uh, define we were going to share defining moments in our life as well, and that just stuck out at me. It's, it's something I probably hadn't thought about in years, but it stuck out at me. And I thought, you know, I'm going to share that because it probably says a little bit of something about me. Um, I'm I'm a quick start. I move fast and break things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and
0: Those are great attributes of an entrepreneur, though, no? Is moving fast, is breaking things, is being able to begin again.
2: Yeah, they really certainly come in handy as, as an entrepreneur. That's for sure.
0: I find it interesting that as an entrepreneur on the business side, AJ, Steve's able to, you know, snap, crackle, pop, and go. Yet, you know, and I, and I, and I want, I, I feel it's okay if I raise this, Steve, as you bring it up, you went through some anxious times and just had some problems just getting going, right? Like we all do, oh. and, and we all do as humans, right? And we've talked about that with every single guest.
2: Oh, yeah. Did I ever have tro- trouble getting going in that regard?
0: Yeah, yeah. Five companies later. Uh on your fifth now. Uh which we're going to get into in a in in a, in a real couple moments. Really want to talk about the unknown and the name the unknown and all these stories that you're telling for these 7 billion people. It's Steve Helford joining AJ Zeglin and I on the Business Athlete podcast episode 5. We're talking to CEO Steve Helford of The Unknown. Right now just getting to know Steve a little bit about him and his athletic uh, motives that you know he brought into business, Steve. You you numbers in your swimming days, you 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 shared with me that you 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 memorized everyone's times to the hundredth yeah, of a second, right. and you said to me that you know people used to ask me what their best time is, and 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 I remember you sitting back with me telling me that it's helped you in business that you can see patterns in numbers. Talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah. There used to be this magazine that would come out once a month and it would have everybody's swimming times in it. And, um, I just had a thing with these numbers and I would memorize them. Uh, and I, I, I became so good at it that, um, people would come to me and and ask me what their best times were. Um, and I would, I would have read them in the book and the magazine. And, and, um, so if someone else said, well, my best time was such and such, um, I would immediately know that's, that's not the correct time. Um, and I, I never, you know, knew how to use this particular skill. Um, but I, um, I found in business that I I like to really keep close tabs on revenue. Um, where, where the revenue is coming from, who it's coming from, what the trends are. Yes. Um, and it's very much like following swim times. Um, what the change is from month to uh, month or course. from magazine to magazine. Yeah. Um, what's going up, what's going down, what the ad rates are. And um, and that way, like when I'm working with my accounting team, my finance team, um, I, I, I can just recall immediately like what our quarter earnings were, what our profit was. and what our GLs are and, you know, items in the balance sheet. Um, And it's just kind of found its way to that. And and I enjoy that. I kind of like that part of it, the numbers.
0: A very relatable skill set that you take from swimming. Let's talk about it. A direct skill set you've taken from swimming right to the boardroom.
2: That's right. That's right. And, and, And I should say I was never particularly good at math. It was not a subject I excelled in at school at all. It came to me very difficultly, but of course I can add and subtract, yeah. and and multiply and uh, you know get by in business math.
0: Yeah, interesting. You're, you're you know, the the journey through business and and uh, math's not for everyone. I was talking with my boy today, you know, and uh, that that that's where it appears his head is headed, which is uh, the math finance side. I know Dale, I know AJ. We talked last week with uh, Dale Weiss and said marketing or finance he said finance uh, Steve business for you marketing or finance are you in marketing a- yeah yeah you're a marketing guy yeah S- same with me you know I I you know that's the side of the brain that works for me let's talk about the unknown Steve what is the under unknown what are the channels
2: yeah um, so unknown um, we, we that name that backyard media that was the company yeah. uh, that name um, it, it became un- Underknown. We pivoted to the, the brand name Underknown, and that's really the name of the production company. Okay. Inside the production company, we've we're we're kind of a we have a stable of brands, and these okay. brands are web series. And we, we create a web series and we put it on Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Mm-hmm. And um, our our first web series that we developed was called What If. And it's where we use a hypothetical question as an entry point to make science accessible and to sort of discover real science with the viewer.
0: Yeah, now this is, this is where the show, the Business Athlete Podcast, episode five with CEO of The Underknown, Steve Halford. This is where it gets really interesting, talking about the content that you, that you, that you guys create, data-driven content right? You don't, you don't just create content for the sake of creating content. Talk about the predictability about around how and why you create your content.
2: So one of the, I, we, we talked about interesting shit and what, one of the things we did in our first year was we created over 250 videos. Yeah, And one of the most, one theme that popped out that was really popular was when we would, when we would study a hypothetical, what if the moon smashed into earth? What, what if, if we had no what bees? If. What if the earth had rings like Saturn? Um, and then we decided um, we, we had an influencer partner uh, and, and we started producing content and under a brand we created called What If mm-hmm. and where we would just do nothing but hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. And this idea of having a razor-focused theme and format on a digital channel is the right approach to take. You cannot have a varied amount of content on a digital channel. It's gotta be razor focused. So we launched What If, we did another one called Crazy Creatures, Your Amazing Body, How to Survive. And we're working on creating more and more web series, more shows. And a popular web series might have an unlimited amount of story ideas. Like with what if we've got over 500. So we put these videos out on Facebook and then the most popular ones, the ones that perform the best we put on YouTube and the ones that perform the best on Facebook and YouTube go on Snapchat. So we have got almost a marketing funnel Mm -hmm. using Facebook as our market research platform. Mm -hmm. And we funnel them down into, and in fact, we're, we're working on a development deal right now with a production company in Vancouver called Thunderbird, and they're trying to turn What If into a TV show. And we started with giving them a list of the 500 most popular videos ranked by most watched. And they're looking at that as like it's like the greatest hits market research from billions of viewers, and they're going to try and tailor a television show using those greatest hits.
0: 500 shows of what ifs what is your biggest, what, what is the largest viewed one
2: uh it was it was 20 20 good news stories
0: uh so yeah and, and you can find the what if channel on youtube everybody youtube you can find it on amazon prime you can find it on uh, facebook watch so check out snapchat snapchat so the what if channel steve 500 plus episodes so far Yep. will you yeah, run if- will you run out of what if ideas
2: I don't think we'll ever run out of what-if ideas. Um, yeah, I don't think we will. We've certainly picked the low-hanging fruit. Um, you know, one—I don't know if you—you you may not even know this, Keith—but we we won a Webby Award actually this this year in 2020, which was uh, it's like the Oscars of um, so. And and in, in winning that award, um, we realized that we really um, we we got to switch our focus to. Um, And this idea of running out of ideas one day is we need to focus on making new shows. So we're in development on, we're we're, we're sort of researching 40 different themes and concepts with the hope of finding five new hits that are the size of say a what if.
1: Wow. So Steve, I got to ask you on, um, On social media, when you're looking at all the different platforms that you present your um, information on, outside of the information itself being really interesting, um, do you find or have you found, is there like an ideal amount of time you guys are looking to present that information in? Because I find with a lot of social media, it comes at you so fast. There's just so much information. Is there is there something like, hey, we got to get them hooked in the first 10 seconds again mistake or is it 30 seconds or a minute or
2: well it it really depends on the platform
1: mm-hmm. and
2: what we we've tried to do is first we tried to make a a a format that worked really well on Facebook okay and then it just so happened that that same format also worked on YouTube and then we're working on a very different format for Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram are altogether different um, okay. and like face in Facebook. Um, but there are, there's some commonalities to it. Um, and, and those common things are, is that you need to, you have to have a fantastic visual thumbnail, okay. something that is just, you, you, ha- you can't help but click on and it, right. it'll have some text on there. Um, and uh, on a platform like YouTube, they're tracking your click-through rate okay. and your cl- the reason why th- people will say thumbnails are important is because a high click-through rate gets a higher uh, winds up in YouTube's recommended algorithm and gotcha. you don't get you don't get views from your subscribers you get them from when they recommend that video to millions of more people gotcha. Um, Whereas on Facebook, you need to have your absolute best content up front, because when people are scrolling through and they, they see that first three seconds, you have to grip them. Right. And, and once you have them, you need to take them to the one minute mark. That's when the ad appears on Facebook. Oh, okay. um, but that has the same effect on Snapchat and other ones, is that if you've kept them engaged for a minute, they're really quite likely... To stay and hang around. Right. Because they've already invested that time. You guys have probably felt it too uh, when you've invested some time in a clip. Yeah. Yeah. And you're kind of like, all right, all right, I, you got me. Yeah. I'm going to hang around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's some tips and tricks to keep them going in the first minute. And it's kind of counterintuitive. We used to do stories where we'd. We would slowly build up the story and then at the end you'd get the sort of like the big reveal. Well, you got to do the reveal first and then start asking a series of questions like, what the hell did I just watch? And then you start to ask a bunch of questions and you want to know the answers to these questions. And then by the time the minute comes, you start to tell them. And uh, you and these kind of they call this push and pull. and and throws and teases yes. they're all te- they're all techniques from television to to get us to watch and hang around till after the commercial break and
0: Who shot JR? Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah, That's it, right. It, <laughs> this is fascinating to me because behind the behind the magic curtain of the business athlete podcast I always say to AJ, Steve, that okay, if we're going to do a 60-minute show, we have 32-minute moments or 61-minute moments. We got to keep the listener hooked. Steve Hulford, CEO of The Underknown. You can find the content on YouTube, the What If channel. They answer all these what if scenarios. Like all, everything you think of possibly what if, they've probably answered it. So if you're thinking about like, what if I, you know, what if this happened? Well, they've probably, found, they've probably thought about it, right? So go find the What If channel on YouTube. And of course, the Crazy Creatures channel, Your Amazing Body. What happens in the brain when you consider the what if question?
2: Yeah, well we that's that's a good question. It's so w- we have been trying to investigate the science of this. Um but apparently like what happens when you ask someone a question is you your brain takes the path of least resistance. It goes to um you know, your it's like random access memory. It, yeah. it, you have and it's where all your biases are stored. Yeah. And you retrieve that information, and that's the information you give back to answer the question. Um, But when you ask someone a hypothetical, it goes to a different part of your brain where your memory and your imagination are. So you'll often hear someone say, well, what if, and then they'll say, ah, that's a good question. And they're buying themselves time because they actually have to think about the answer. And then they come back with something that is more authentic. So, what it does is it creates curiosity, and it, it, it create it stokes your imagination. And there's some um, there's some science to it that you bypass someone's bias. And we we first noticed something was unusual in that, you know, we started this in 2018. What if um, and we di- we did not see a lot of negative comments um, from 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 users. Where sometimes you'd see politically divisive commentary. It was just so p- common on social media, but we didn't see that on What If. And we saw when you look at the bios, you'd be people debate debating hypotheticals, and we thought, what is it about that? And and it, it's be- so it's very disarming. Um, Mm. to speak in hypotheticals,
0: it is, it is, but yet so difficult.
2: Yeah, it it is. Um, you know, it's interesting. We we just packaged up um the top one hundred, and we've come out with a book. Okay. Um, and one of the the scientists that we've been working with is a guy by the name of Dr. Mickey Okaku. I don't know if you've heard the name. He's an American theoretical physicist and futurist. Mm. Um. He's one of the – a, a super big brain. He's, he's up there with uh, the likes of um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. and um, He wrote the foreword in our book, and we were so interested to hear what he had to say about what ifs and hypotheticals. And his quote was, throughout history, we see that when enterprising, daring individuals ask themselves what if, they often reach silly conclusions but sometimes they also change the world. It's You can say everything we know about the universe is because someone asked, what if?
1: So when you're going through this what if scenarios, is it the delivery of the story or the information itself that you find is is the key thing to, or is it a combination of the two?
2: You know, it it is like, if you were to think of like, uh, each what-if video or in each video we make at Underknown, if it was like um, a Ferrari and you broke it into its parts, um, it's the structure. It's the story narrative. It's the way um, we – what content we choose, the, the pace of the edit, the questions we ask up front, which tease someone to sort of want to hang around until the big reveal it's the graphics that you see uh, on the screen. Um, all of that packaged together with, I think, really good writing. Uh, the right. one thing it, and is that our team, it, they're masters at condensing down complex subjects in right. a fun and engaging way. Right. And we didn't get there overnight either. Like It was yeah. like a, a pencil, a, a dull pencil, when we launched that first video and we've been slowly just sharpening and sharpening it.
0: Steve, what do you say to our listeners and to people out there who are sitting on an idea or sitting on trying to think of the next big idea? Oh, I got to think of something. Oh my God. I want to, I want to do something. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start a business. Follow me here. You took a concept, a question. What if you built a business around it? I think revolutionary, with all respect, you didn't reinvent the wheel. You took a question, two words, and put a question mark behind it. What if? And you built a really successful business around that. It's not easy, is it?
2: No, it's not easy. Um, And, you know, you have to fail um, many, 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 many times until you find the right recipe, um, the right format, the right genre. Um, and then, but the nice thing about these digital platforms is they'll tell you instantly whether you failed or you succeeded.
0: Talk about failure, Steve.
2: Well, I, I, I don't, I think that, uh, you never really fail. Like you might not achieve your goals, but you've achieved something. There's something that you've achieved. And almost every time you set out on a journey and you chart, you say, that's the goal I want to achieve. You might you're going to wind up on some adventure and it's not going to be what you thought it was. You're going to go in a million different directions and you might wind up somewhere else. And you say to yourself, um, did I really fail? I don't think you ever really fail. You you learn something. And then that something becomes like, it's a new vantage point. Oh, I just can see over the horizon. Now I'm in a different place where, than where I thought I was, let's go and walk in that direction. Um, and you take with you all these learnings every single time. So I look back on the interesting shit days and I, I think it's safe to say interesting shit failed. But what was born out of that were many other web series. And we honed our skills in storytelling and we developed brands and we, we developed all these different things. We developed our, our data analytics skills. Um, which has allowed us t- to do something else.
0: You you like to create. You you are a builder. You are you you create. How do you not fall in love with the asset, the creation, if the data is telling you otherwise?
2: Well, you you, you kind of that's the humbling part, um, isn't it? About the data doesn't lie, and um, you know I. I, I've said to the teams that there's no sacred cows, um, and we shut down the, the channel, our, our birth channel. We shut it down. Um, that, was my, that was my baby, um, and I had to uh, probably go through the, the stages of grief or something like that. But truthfully, um, you know, when you use data, uh, it helps democratize ideas inside the company and um it it kind of takes your ego out of the equation and it you know um it becomes easier to make these decisions
0: mr seglin mr helford it's a part of the show we've added to the segment with our guests we talk a little bit about a music a little bit of music and the and and the idea of that of, of what music plays in our life as a business athlete and the effect that it has when you got in the pool, Mister Helford, for your championship races, and the effect you have on music when you go to work. Let's talk about music. How about the new Miley Cyrus album? AJ, Steve, you guys heard that one? Billy Idol, I not. Billy Idol, Joan, uh, Billy Idol, Joan Jett. I'm having some problems with my jays today. Billy Idol, uh-huh. Joan Jett, Deborah Harry. Oh my god i uh i did listen to it and yeah. i won't lie i skipped
1: right to the tracks uh that you mentioned there because i was like yes. billy idols on this i gotta hear this joan yes. Jett's on this i gotta hear this yes and uh yeah i really enjoyed it i i really like miley cyrus i really enjoy her voice like i, I think she's too. super talented yeah. absolutely
0: reggae sure. music. reggae infused music yeah who's uh, who's some highlights for you mr helford number one number two talk about your favorites
2: Um, well, you know, my favorite would have to, you know, know, great respect for Bob Marley. Um, It was him that got me into the genre. Um, And I was uh, in St. Lucia with my parents in 1986, went to a resort and I heard a steel drum band play a song and the song stuck in my head. Uh, And it took me back then four years to find the name of that song. Um, and I heard it. It was One Love by Bob Marley. Yeah. And I, I went down the rabbit hole, read everything I could about it. And that's led me to, you know, Jimmy Cliff, The Melodians. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Steel Pulse lately. Um, I've been listening to, um, you know, I lo- love The Melodians, reggae-infused music like, um, you know, Mother and Child Reunion, Paul Simon,
0: you have a you have a you. As long as I've known you, Steve, you have a place for Jamaica in your heart.
2: Oh, I do. Yeah, talk about that and, a little. And, bit. I, and I and I try and visit as much as I can. I love I love the country. I love the people. Uh, I love the culture. Um, I've I've been going for many years. Uh, my family have gone. Um, we've gone for the winter uh, to usually around the Christmas holidays. We rent a fish a, a house in a fishing village. On the south coast of Jamaica, and I just uh, I love it, love the culture, the people, food. Um, you know, we go where they the roads are bad, but the people are good. And I've gotten really involved in the the Jamaican community in Toronto, fundraising for Helping Hands Jamaica, uh, with my good friend Carl Hale. Um, and um, yeah, uh, it's just a, there's a spirit of the music, and then the music it takes you to the place. And um, there's there's something about the the country and and this people and this music.
0: So we're going to publish this, uh, this playlist AJ on, uh, on our, um, on the business athlete podcast. It starts with, uh, so Steve sent it over here, his COVID playlist. It starts with steel pulse, your house and ends with Peter Bjorn and John, the young folks with a whole bunch of great stuff in between some Johnny cash, some Nina Simone, some Paul Simon, uh, some, some Matt and Kim, cage the elephant a great diverse list so for our listeners i'm gonna package this up for you guys so you can uh, you can see what motivates and moves steve you know because i'm i'm gonna I, I get the impression here steve this is what this is what moves you through your day when you need to when you need to get some music in oh head, it,
2: eh? it definitely does yeah so and, and sometimes i'll just dance Dances. just dance with the headphones on listening to this stuff
0: that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, this is the part <laughs> not of the show.
2: Not a, not a very good dancer, by the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the part of the show where we, uh, we're not dancing out of here, but we're, we're walking through the mountains and up the mountains, AJ. This is the next step segment of the show, Steve. Yeah. Where we, uh, we talk about the next steps. Because as you know, Steve, as any great entrepreneur and any great athlete, you have to have a next step. There's always a next step. There's always a next step in whatever we do. Right. There just is whether you're just that's just part of how we that's that's part of accomplishing, accomplishing things. Right. is It's always focusing on that next step. So this is the part of the show where we say to ourselves, you know, what are we writing down? What are we talking about? What are we committing to? What are we encouraging our audience to look in the mirror and commit to perhaps write down, perhaps share with us on Instagram with a real business athlete or. Through email at keith at athletes.com or at aj at Tell us what you're committing to your next steps. AJ. Yeah. What are you? Uh, what did you commit to last week? What did you get done? And what are you committing to? And Mr. Halford, you can bet your bottom dollar I'm coming to you in a few moments. <laughs> Steve. I mean, sorry, AJ. Yeah.
1: So, uh, the last couple of weeks when we were, uh, talking about a bunch of my, uh, next steps and stuff that I was working on, uh, a lot of it was to do with the, uh, mental performance side or with my schooling, a mm-hmm. whole bunch of different, st- uh, things like that. So, uh, this week I'm going something that I'm trying to accomplish on the physical side of things. Um, so yeah, I'm just continuing working on that goal, which are just, uh, I got two big, two big, uh, lifts in the gym that I'm chasing. Nice. Really simple. And, uh, I've executed up until this point and now I'm kind of at a point that I've been to before, uh, and I haven't really been able to, to break through. So, um, the next st- steps for me are just getting uh, a little bit outside my comfort zone, a little outside the box, obviously, um, you know, eventually you come to that realization. Uh, everyone's heard that kind of old cliche to get and do something you've never done. You gotta, you know, be willing to do something that you've never done before, right. To get somewhere where you've never been. That's right. Uh, so I'm uh, some, I'm, so I'm a, so I'm a ex- kind of expanding um, some of my uh, techniques that I'd usually use for myself. Cause we tend to get stuck into doing things that we enjoy doing in the gym and there's nothing wrong with that, but depending what your goal is, like I said, to get somewhere I've never been. So I'm employing a few new power uh, powerlifting techniques and stuff that I haven't uh, written into my programs before. And that's, you know, that, that's what I'm doing. So I'm just, keeping it really on the physical side this, uh, this week. Fantastic. Fantastic.
0: Steve, when you look around yeah. you, you look around, you look in your professional calendar, you look in your personal calendar. What do, you, what do you, what do you, what do you want to commit to? What do you want to write down for our audience that you're going to get done? What are some next steps for you?
2: Well, I, I would love to chat with AJ offline a bit about that. Sprinting, lifting, jumping, pulling. Cause, um, I I'm I'm in I'm in need of some kind of a, a workout I can do in my house because yeah. um, I'm not in the pool because Toronto's in right. lockdown. Yeah. Um, I'm in the lake, but, you know, you, I can only get in there maybe once a week. Um, it's snowing now. So um, so I I'd I need I need some kind of and, and I've been given ones before I've done the seven minute and. And, right. uh, I just, I need to, I would love to be sitting here talking to you guys 30 days from now. And yeah. I, I, I did something every day for 30 days.
1: Right. Sounds like I look forward to our, I look forward to this conversation, Steve.
2: Something where I lifted, sprinted, jumped, or pulled.
0: <laughs> we all need our catalysts, right? And perhaps, you know, you being, you know, guest number five, the best. Business Athlete Podcast is that catalyst for you. So uh, next steps for me, some real ones, gentlemen. Christmas shopping. I got to get my Christmas shopping done. That's got to be finished, right? Because I got to get the old Amazon machine rolling for me. So uh, I know that by the time this broadcast airs, that will be done. So that's that's happening in real time right now. Real time. I'm going to
1: be forced to do something I've never done before, Keith. <laughs> or, Or... or <laughs>
0: So, Steve, episode one, it was revealed that AJ Zeglin has never ordered anything on the internet before. Uh, ah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So, we're talking about Christmas shopping. It's going to have to happen this year. Yes.
2: Buy local, AJ.
1: We've uh, we've been able to kind of start a new uh, tradition. Steve, you were mentioning some silver linings in the pandemic. Yours was getting out in the open water swims um, and starting that group. One of us, for ours as a family, has been uh, – uh, Sunday nights now, we uh, go support a local restaurant. So we order from them, go pick it up curbside, uh, take it home, and then just uh, all sit down and eat dinner together uh, from a different spot every
0: week. So it's kind of been fun. And the second thing for me, December mental reset plan. Uh, and, and you're really putting a plan in place. You know, I'm, just, I'm always very focused on writing my physical plan out and my training plan and my business plan. But what's my mental plan for the month? And I mean that, right? Because... I don't know. December comes and January's here, and and as we talked before, AJ, it's just really one and the same. But um, I need I need I need to recover. You know, recovery, recovery is important. What I mean by that is just taking the time to reset. Yeah,
2: oh, my I could I could do same. this
0: I could do this again one night. I just grab my
1: my whiskey and I could sit here for hours just shooting oh, yeah. shit. You know, <laughs> so true. Yeah, another one in the books. Good one. I man. liked that one. Yeah. Yeah, which like, had a, you like about I it? just I just knew like just from just from you telling me about him. Yeah. like you you told me about Steve uh years yeah. ago. Yes. in yes. the gym and then from reading his bio and then looking at some of their stuff online, I felt like I just knew I was going to find him a super interesting guy even before super, I met
0: him. he's a super interesting guy.
1: I was just going to say I really liked the the little bit of contrast that it had from some of our ep, uh, other episodes I yes. felt the
0: conversation was a little bit different i I really enjoyed it I completely agree and uh, one of the goals here on the show is is to is to have diversity and have diverse conversations right so it's different type of content than what we've had the last few episodes and and uh, we're gonna have more diverse content right. but I yeah. do know we have uh, Richard Pollock coming up very soon uh, mm-hmm. um, former uh uh analytics scout for NHL franchise. He's going to talk about analytics and sport and business. And uh, Richard's a great guy. Uh, Interesting conversation. I know we're going to have there. And uh, I also know we're working on a Olympic gold medalist, AJ. Yes. Two time Olympic gold medalist, two time Olympic gold medalist. So depending on when this airs. Two for two.
1: Two for two. Yeah. Yeah. 100% of the time that she goes to the Olympics, she
0: wins a gold medal. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. How do how do you how do you how do you go again? I'm not going again, I'm not going third time. No fucking way, man. Not doing do it. Nope, yeah. not going.
1: I know. It's amazing. It's pretty it's pretty tough to touch that uh success,
0: you know. And how many athletes have been to the Olympics and never won or had a sniff at a medal? Yeah. And she's been twice and she's yeah. won gold and, twice. Yep, yeah, in two different events. In two different events. Yeah. Yeah. So of course yeah, the name, right. we're, we'll, we'll, we'll keep the name off the table at the moment while we work on this incredible guest. Right. Yeah. Great story. She has to tell. Yeah. And we're really, really, really looking forward to bringing that. We're just figuring out dates right now. So once we get the date in the calendar, get it on the books, uh, we will then reveal the name of this guest we're talking about. Um, but, uh and there has been no shortage. I know I've been calling out to everybody listening to the show. If you want to nominate, you know somebody who should be on the show, send us a note. Uh, I know there's just you know names trickling out there through the social media channels and the interwebs. But hey, you should talk to this person. Hey, I want to be on the show. Um, we're creating a good little following here, so good times. <laughs> that
1: went long. It's funny too. I felt like I could have kept going. Like man, I am kind of sad to see Steve
0: go. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you like the intro today? Yeah. It was good.
1: Yeah. I liked it. It was. Uh, I felt like it. It helped. You know what it did do? It helped set. I feel the kind of mood and the tone for the show. It really did. That was the purpose of it. Good. I'm glad yeah, you felt yeah. that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally yeah. did. I'm glad you felt that way. Good. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. You guys, that that was fun. You guys have it, and I like your format.
0: So we've been playing with it. We've been talking about how uh, yeah. it's coming together. So do you like the format?
2: I do. I, I like it a lot, and I like how you're. You 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 told me that you've just added. Did something the music thing like I think yeah, that's what we've been doing try and yeah. try lots of different things try different lengths try different like yeah constant iteration it's like making cookies
0: it is it is it is it exactly <laughs> you know? it is yeah yeah too much
2: salt that's too right. much salt let's right, less right? salt next time that's you right
0: know? episode five AJ yeah another great show to add to the
1: catalog wow I'm like Steve has done this, he, he, he he's done it, he's he's delivered it in a way that's, like, exciting to people and people can relate to and stuff, so I just, I think it's such an awesome thing that you've done for people, and uh, I can really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you, and, and really, I don't get, I should not get the, the credit for it, I've got an incredible team, there's over 70 people, you know, making all this content, and I'm just yeah. motivating them, really. Um
0: they deserve all the credit to watch aj's enthusiasm talking to steve and talking about the you know uh, the great content that steve and his team make at uh, the unknown what if you know uh, crazy creatures and and uh, your amazing body great great channels i encourage you all business athlete listeners to check it out to find it on youtube on amazon prime on facebook watch steve thanks for joining us
2: well, thanks for having me, guys.
0: Really enjoyed it was a
2: real ple- pleasure.
0: Really enjoyed yeah, hearing from you, that. hearing your story, and uh you know, thank you for sharing, you know, some of those personal moments with us as well along the way. And uh, I hope you'll be back on the show sometime in the future, Steve.
2: Well, I I would like that. Fantastic, fantastic. Again, you can Congrats find Congrats th- on your fifth episode.
0: Thank you. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you right now, as, as a media creator, uh, we have big plans for this. You know, we you know our goal here is to really uh, use this as a platform for myself for icuc and really you know get the message out there about what it takes to be a business athlete and to to to, 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 to take yourself your human your business to the next level and um i believe this is the first steps at, at 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 doing that so it's really really pleased to have you aboard episode five um to all our listeners check out what if find it on youtube trust me it'll blow your mind This is the Business Athlete Podcast. I am your host, Keith Billis. For AJ Zeglin and Steve Helford, we're all business athletes.
1: See you in the gym.